Now it's True Wealth presented by Little John Financial Services. Here is David Littlejohn with True Wealth on News Radio 1240 KQEN. All right, gang, it is that time of the week again. It's the best Tuesday you've had all week, and it has got to be the best show you've heard all afternoon. Welcome to the True Wealth Radio Show. I am your host, David Littlejohn, and we will skip a whole bunch of the uh, distractions and get right to the fact that I have awesome guests in studio today. Now, most of you know my cohort on air, if you listen uh, regularly, uh, he joins with uh, fairly often. I mean, I disturbing guess regularity. disturbing regularity, uh, a weird fetish for go-karts and knowledge of the law, Mr. Derek Simmons. Howdy. And there's nothing weird about go-karts. No, no. But, but the uh, fetish, I, I would acknowledge. Yes, I think that uh, fetish is the appropriate terminology. But we've also brought in a ringer, the uh, younger, smarter, and more talented Mr. Alex Simmons. Howdy, everybody. I would just like to point out that I did not say those things, but I'm also not speaking to their accuracy. <laughs> Fair enough. He's so, been trained in my house yeah, for a long time. He's He is already figuring this one out. Anyway, I have asked Alex... Alex to join us today because uh, we've got so let me let me just give you a little backdrop first of all now Derek and I we, is it 20 years yet Alex was a baby right when so we met. Yes. so it was Derek and I have known each other for close to 20 years and Alex I basically uh, I, I you know I wasn't in the delivery process let me just be very clear about that but really early on got to meet you before you remember <laughs> So it's been that long, and here's why this is fun. I've asked Alex to join us because he's got a really fun and unique experience that he's been going through, and I just want to know more about it, and I think that you as listeners may get a kick out of this. Alex, you just completed your first year, is that correct? That's right, just barely. <laughs> I don't believe you. Uh, like I said, we brought in a ringer. Can you tell our listeners, what have you been doing for the last year? So let's see. Uh, last summer, I finished off my application and I headed off to the United States Air Force Academy. All right. So officially a freshman at the collegiate level, but not not. I'm not going to call this the traditional college experience. I'm going to say this is the enhanced like college with guns experience. <laughs> can I can I say that on air? College with guns. College with guns. Oh, there's some truth to that. We shoot so, guns every once in a while. Fair enough. Yeah, no, it's okay. You really do get to eat the microphone on this one. So <laughs> it's they're, they're, they put the screen there so that the S's and the P's don't sound awful. Oh, so, what do you know? There you go. Exactly. So how was it? Well, I got to tell you, being at the Air Force Academy has probably been one of the most challenging experiences in my life to date. Um, there are a couple of other, you know, everybody has a couple of moments they can think of that really change their perception of who they are as a person. And my first big one of those was basic training. I went to basic training, and everything was all out of whack. We were wearing masks the whole time. We spent two weeks stuck in our rooms. And in basic training, stuck in your room is not the place you'd like to be. It's a, it's a big fancy room, right? Yeah, huge, enormous. <laughs> a whole, you know, 20 Slightly square feet. Slightly bigger than the suitcase Yeah, you that's right. With. That's right. <laughs> so, you know, it was fascinating because, you know, there are a lot of traditions at the Air Force Academy regarding sort of the first day of basic called I-Day. Um, and one of those is that you get there and they just rock your world. I mean, they just really just really beat up on you. And the idea is that they sort of indoctrinate you into the military almost in one day. 
Um, and one of those big traditions is the footprints. They stand you on the footprints, and they just yell at you. You just can't do anything right. Uh, and they just really ream you so out. So help our listeners out. The footprints. Can you paint like a just paint a mental image for us of what that means? I think I know what it means, but what just like a bunch of like you line up and you literally have to stand in a spot where they have footprints on the ground and you just stand there. Well, sure. You get on the bus and they just yell at you and they just yell at you. Oh, fun! Right? And <laughs> and this is crazy because you haven't been yelled at during the process yet. Um, and they say, you know, are you ready? to enter my United States Air Force Academy and they tell you to get off the bus and they start screaming and they make carry you make you carry your bags in the right hand hey they literally line you up on these painted footprints painted blue uh, in front of a couple of statues. I, I thought you were serious. It literally was footprints on the ground somewhere like the, they they real actual The military the military does not tend to be allegorical. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. that's right. That's right. And around you they have all these cadre and the cadre are dressed in the dress uniform. They've got the white gloves. They've all got sunglasses on in short sleeves. And they stand you on the footprints, and they tell you to get a detention. And you don't even know what attention is. Now, who are the cadre? So the cadre are who will eventually become your tormentors. Uh, and <laughs> we'll stay that way for about six weeks, and then kind of a year, and then you get to be their friends, which is a really interesting experience that we can talk about later if we decide we need <laughs> so to. It's like having parents. They're, they're <laughs> up close. <laughs> That's that's right. They're upperclassmen. So uh, the okay, the juniors, so that makes more sense. So these are not right. officers or Air Force personnel at this time. This is other students in the academy, but they are upperclassmen. Right, and they and they're the people who run basic training. So they do almost all of it with very little supervision from upper levels of of Air Force management. It's almost entirely cadet run. Okay. Uh, so leadership by fire? Got indeed, it. indeed. But what I'm hearing is that to run basic training is one of the greatest leadership experiences you can have at the academy. So I'm, for one, looking forward to uh, hopefully next summer getting to run basic training myself or take part in that at least. Fair enough. So, all right, this, is, this question may seem like it's coming out of left field, but it, I'm really interested in this because my sense is that the COVID pandemic has – has had some cultural impact because at certain formative times, the behaviors were all modified from what was historically done, right? So how was basic, do you, do you think different for you? And do you see that rippling through the system? Because you didn't do it the way somebody else did. You, there was this interruption or a break in the continuity of, this, of that process. Do you see it gravitating back or changing? So Well, I think you have to step back before we can even talk about the impacts of COVID on basic training. And you have to start by saying that it is a time-honored tradition at the Air Force Academy to say that every class above and below you had it easier. So let's start out by saying that basic training changes as an entity regardless of COVID every year. And it, you know some will say it gets better and some will say it gets worse, but it's never perfect and it's never static. Um, so our basic training perspective, I like this. Our basic training was was going to be different than any other basic. Yours training is the hardest it. ever, by the way. What or the easiest depends on who you ask. <laughs> you totally, to yeah, I softballed that one for you. You just let it. <laughs> I know. Right I by into the catcher's well, mitt. Well, you know, <laughs> they had to walk uphill both ways to their beatings every day. Exactly <laughs> until the morale improved. Well, it also it depends on your cadre because some cadre will just say, "Huh, that's a training violation." guess I'll go ahead and do it anyway. And some cadre are very by the book. Mine were not by the book, as it turned out. 
Uh, so we, for example, we had what were called PT cards. They could only beat us. They could only beat us up so much, um, you know, without breaking the rules. Well, the cadre were experts at finding ways around this. So they couldn't make us do push-ups, but they could run us up and down six flights of stairs a billion times. And they could make us do air squats, but they couldn't make us, you know, do sit-ups or whatever. So they really found ways to, you know, make it tougher. Well, and it seems like just because misery loves company, you're going to do this while now at altitude and wearing a mask. The masks were awful. I, you know, the masks were truly awful because I remember specifically the first day they're telling you to run and they're telling you to carry your bag in your left hand and you're running and it's just so hard and it doesn't make any sense. And then you get to your room and you realize, oh my God, it's because we're 7,000 feet in the air. Exactly. Right. You're already flying. (laughs) A little bit. So the goal is to toughen you up. Did it work? I'd say so. I would say it's basic training really isn't about your physical capacity. I mean, that's important. But really the important part of basic training is can you handle it and can you use those connections that you will inevitably form with the people who are going through it next to you and utilize those to push each other to do better. Right. So uh, there sounds like a real there's a team element to this, it sounds like. It, it's all about teamwork because you have some physical challenges and you have some mental challenges. Um, for example, we had to memorize a lot of quotes and ranks and... Um, and you had to know these verbatim, and you get quizzed on them constantly, right? Aircraft. And I remember the aircraft. That's right, the aircraft. Um, so not everyone is going to be good at everything. Uh, and I remember specifically, this actually wasn't during basic training. This was during recognition, which we can talk about later, um, because that's sort of later on in the chronological order of the year. I'm really good at knowledge, and I'm pretty physically apt, but I remember we were doing push-ups, and I just couldn't do any more. And the guy next to me sort of, twists his push-up position to put his feet under me so he's still doing push-ups and he's got his feet under me so that I won't fall onto the ground that to me symbolizes both what basic training and the fourth class year are all about teaching you gotcha so strategic cheating <laughs> well it wasn't no it wasn't cheating <laughs> no I, I'm teasing this is this is uh so let, well let's talk more about that but I'm gonna uh, that that phraseology was was totally <laughs> intentional, totally setting you up, but also going to set us up for the break because I'm going to explain what it means. But we got to take a break first, so stick around. Uh, we'll take the obscene profit break now. We'll be right back where we're going to continue learning more about this experience. Uh, in studio with me, Derek Simmons and Alex Simmons, and I'm your host Dave Littlejohn. We'll be right back. This is the True Wealth Show on News Radio 1240 KQEN. Welcome back to the True Well Show, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, as you know, if you're just joining us, we've got guests in studio. I've got Mr. Derek Simmons and Alex Simmons, who's recently finished his first year at the Air Force Academy. If you want the rest of the story, don't forget to hook up. There's the podcast that will be available tomorrow. You can go to our website at littlejohnfs.com. Check out the Educate tab, and you will find it under there. Alex at the break, you told me this is a so just remind our listeners the fun, the push up story. Sure. So we were doing push ups and I just couldn't do any more push ups. And the whole spirit of the fourth class here at the academy is teamwork. And I remember specifically the guy next to me, Ethan Bleakney, who's not listening because he lives in Alaska. But if you were, it I'd shout be. him out. We have clients in Alaska. <laughs> I can't tell you who they are, but we do. <laughs> so, and, and he moves over and he puts his feet under me so that when I'm doing my push up, I can't 
fall to the ground, um, and they can't yell at me if I don't fall to the ground. Well, they'll, they will, but it has less teeth. <laughs> right, because so in essence, now th- this is a point I, I sort of shared with this during the break uh, with, with Derek and Alex. Is we talk about this as this is sort of a problem-solving philosophy that I think people would benefit from. And I don't know how you feel about this in the law, Derek, but uh, I love your, your feedback on it. I think that there's there's the letter of the law as you read it, then there's the spirit of the law it was intended, and then there's this sort of other uh, guiding principles that fall under what I call the ethics of the law, right? And so in this case, the rule may have been don't fall down on the push-ups, but the spirit of this exercise was to develop teamwork and to help each other out. So your teammate has stepped in to help you while in some sense sort of breaking the rules by the letter of the law, the spirit of the law is exactly what they were encouraging was sort of an, an adapt and overcome and do it as a team and as a unit. Am I, right, right, right. That sounds right to me. Well, I feel like that happens in the real life all the time. And especially in, in the financial arena, people oftentimes look for this specific solve. Like the, the, the tool is supposed to do exactly this thing. And I say the tool can do exactly this thing, but sometimes a tool has more than one function. And I, I love this as a real-life illustration of understanding this, the spirit of something versus the letter of something and, then, and having the ethics be the guideline. Yeah. yeah, we have that. I see that in my office all the time where people will come in and say, can I do X? And the question they really mean is, how can I do X? Mm-hmm. If I do X, what are the consequences? And do we have another tool that will work the same way? Yes, and I love that. That phraseology, by the way, is something that I encourage people to learn. I try to teach this to my children, and it's a it's a philosophy that goes through the team in our office, which is the easy answer is no. And that's the easiest answer when somebody says, hey, can I do this thing? Nope. Like, there's no work involved, right? Just, just go away. I don't want to deal with it. What I say is the answer shouldn't be no. The answer should be how, right? If it doesn't work this way, how does it work a different way? Right? Imagine if the answer was just no. We'd have had a bunch of dead astronauts on that Apollo mission. Well, and that's one of the things I saw from Alex during the application process, which is long and arduous all by itself, um, was all paths lead to victory. He's going to take multiple approaches, and one of them is going to lead him where he wants to go. And it did. worked really well. Well, and I just want to hop in for a second here, and I, I want to talk about the Academy a little bit. Um, we sort of have a philosophy at the academy when it comes to doing things that is almost in line with ask forgiveness, not permission, which doesn't quite line up here. But I think the important part of that is you should be creative in looking for solutions because it's really easy for people to tell you no. And it's really hard to tell you no if you come back and say, well, here's how I can do it. And here's all the you know extraneous possibilities I prepared for. Um, and here's why I can do this. Yeah, the creative solution part is the magic, right? It's it's reframing the problem, looking at it from different angles, uh, trying to use other tools and applications. But it's really, creative is a process. People think, oh, I'm either creative or I'm not. I disagree. I think you can train around those things to get better at looking for ways to solve. And there's an expression, right? That necessity is the mother of invention, okay? So, uh, I think that that's really relevant. Uh, I also also have another saying. It's a little more heavy-handed, which is if you're going to beg forgiveness instead of permission, 
you better be right. <laughs> because otherwise, be prepared for the consequences. It's still easy to say no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm just saying, if just know that you better be right. So there's there's some confidence and there's some calculated risk. We talk about risk on this program all the time. In fact, uh, if I were, I, 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 I'm curious, in, in light of the whole investment landscape, and of course you've, you and I have known each other for years as you've been growing up, uh, we've talked, we've had the risk reward conversation before. When you are doing these things in training, how do you all assess the risk and reward? And how, you know, because there's, there's this human element that's a little unpredictable. Your cadre could, you know, work with you or against you, depending on how you choose to be creative here. Well, it's a little interesting, actually. We used to have this sort of philosophy during basic that was after they'd run out of PT, the only thing they could do to us was yell at us. So after they ran out of PT, that was when things were less risky because you get used to the yelling, and the yelling doesn't matter. So it's really there's <laughs> there's a <laughs> so I'm laughing because I I think my kids are there. <laughs> I, the, the yelling's not working anymore. Now what? So I don't know. Start taking stuff. Well, <laughs> I, what you got to figure out is, and each person has a different limit here. What matters to me and what doesn't, because. Paperwork, for example, matters to me personally. Negative paperwork means a lot. I don't like to get it. Um, but if someone wants to just come to my room and tell me, hey, knock that off, well, okay, fine. I'll knock it off. But it doesn't really affect my capacity to be who I am or continue to work. Um, and I think when you're talking about risk reward, that's probably important. So paperwork, let me just clarify for our listeners. Are you talking about like a formal reprimand that's going to be recorded versus just a, an oral warning? Or what, what do you mean by right, paperwork? Right, there's a big difference between your commanding officer calling you in and saying, come on, dude, and your commanding officer calling you in and saying, here's a piece of paperwork that's going to go on your file for all your four years at USAFA. Um, and you have to figure out, and each person has a different you know, acceptable risk limit here. Um, and I think that's something... I forget to think about a lot of the time is it's not just about what is the reward. It's about how much risk am I willing to accept? I feel like this is whether or not the points get awarded for the, the house cup. 20 points to Gryffindor. Right. That's what I'm <laughs> waiting for. It's like, ooh, it's going to be in paper. It's like, I'm knocking you 20 points. It's like, oh, no. <laughs> so, Alex, tell me about some of the classes you had. I mean, you got out of basic and then you started school. And what did you have that was interesting in classes that you didn't expect? Well, something that's pretty big at the Air Force Academy is they have a very extensive STEM core of classes that are required for everyone. So I'm a political science major, for reference. Um, math is not my not my ball game typically, but required courses include physics and two chemistry classes and two biology classes and three engineering classes. Um, none of those things which I'm going to be necessarily good at. Um, but things that I that I grew to appreciate for sort of teaching me about you know working hard. I remember physics just just whipped me, just whipped me the first half of the semester where I had it, um, and I just spent hours and hours and hours working on it. But then I hit the end of the semester and I came out with an A, and I figured it out, and it all clicked together. Um, and that definitely speaks to sort of the value of just grinding through it until you figure it out and trusting that you will. Now you took you took some language classes. I did indeed. I I'm taking Arabic and Spanish. I'm a double minor. Because um, that makes sense. Well, Arabic could totally come in handy for the military, right? Spanish makes sense. Of course, you've also I know you did some study abroad, so you've already had some Spanish 
and and you know real world immersion and so forth. So that seems like almost a no brainer. Let's take some Spanish because those should be layups. <laughs> <laughs> right, that class is pretty breezy. Pretty now, breezy. What about military classes? What have you had there? Um, well, I had a leadership class that lasted about ten lessons. Um, but aside from that, most of my military classes are coming up. I'm going to have military and strategic study, uh, and I had a history class, I guess, that was history of modern warfare that is a little more typically focused militarily than I think your average college history class is going to end up being. Weird, right? Mine was <laughs> like, you know, history post-1940 or something like that. <laughs> yeah, who would have thought? Who would have thought? Um, but that class was pretty interesting, um, and, and you, you get a kind of cool perspective from these people, these officers who are teaching you, who've done this, you know? And it's easy to look at it from sort of a bird's eye point of view, like, oh, this war went this way and this battles went this way and here's the things we might blame. But then you get these pictures from, you know, these captains or these majors who aren't necessarily all the way at the top of the chain, but are really more of somewhere in the middle. Um, and, you know, that flow of information and the way those things get passed up and down the chain really affects the outcome of, of you know, how those classes go. Yeah, I can imagine that it does. Well, and some of these folks are pulling from maybe some real world experience too not just academics well it's i mean we have a tradition war story friday every friday most teachers in most classes will take about 10 minutes at the end of class and they'll just tell a war story some of them were pilots some of them were um the office of special investigations some of them worked in intelligence um and those can be really fascinating and you can learn a lot um you, you can derive a lot from those those lessons um, especially regarding leadership. You know, you, you hear some of these stories and you think, wow, that is something I would like to emulate. Yeah, well, I, I can... It's it's fascinating to me. Of course, for our listeners, a lot of don't, uh, folks may not realize, but uh, I I grew up in, in... And my father was career Army. So it's different branch than the Air Force, I realize. And there's a little bit of a chuckle... I know between the, the various branches about, you know, who's better or whatnot. At the end of the day, it's all, you know, the same flag. But nevertheless, you know, it's 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 fun to say, well, you know, our branches. Well, you guys like to say you're literally at the top because like your training facilities are the highest in the country. Go Falcons. Beat Army, sink Navy. Yeah. See, there you go. Uh, nevertheless, it's, you know, it's, I think, interesting, the, the, the character of the classes. So let's, uh, this is a, an interesting one. When you, so... When you go to college, a lot of the time, the experience is there is an indoctrination period, but it's not what you all may think I'm trying to say. It's not like they're trying to turn you into – maybe they are trying to turn you into human weapons, but it's it's the adopt the culture, right? Uh, when I went to college, it was to become a Tar Heel, right, at the University of North Carolina. Derek, I – believe you're still in rock chalk jayhawk yeah yes. so so still a jayhawk to i this spent day. quality time on my children with that as well <laughs> and i almost went to duke anyway so oh, we see how yeah, that turned well out. and thankfully you dodged that he, bullet he can stab us both with that one <laughs> so you know i mean we can both get behind the air force academy and say hey well done here but duke i just wondered if it'd be hard to speak man well actually one question i had for you alex uh you got a lot of mail from colleges that wanted you to attend how did you choose USAFA? Well, I think there were a couple reasons. Um, and I think the first and possibly most obvious reason is uh, is my grandfather, who served in Vietnam. Um, and my grandpa, Wayne, he, he doesn't talk about Vietnam a lot, um, but I don't have any other military family, and I wanted to serve. 
Um, and I think that's been really fascinating, actually, because joining a military academy has sort of opened up that connection with my grandpa. Um, and I feel like I know him a lot better because I understood where he come from, where, where, he, where he came from. Um, and actually, kicking it back to what to what David was saying about um, you know the culture of the Air Force Academy, um, you know I think that almost connects to our earlier conversation about risk because in the academy you adjust to the culture and the the balance in the military that they're working on is specifically in the Air Force really um, is the balance between lieutenants and 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 younger junior officers who can both follow the rules and take initiative and come up with, you know, innovative solutions. This this is uh, a total aside from this conversation, but something that's interesting in military history. A lot of folks, I understand, say one of the things that historically has been a huge benefit to the American soldier is this design to create a little bit of not autonomous, but independent problem solving in real-world situations, that this adaptability is, is opposed to, hey, let's everybody stand in a line and volley bullets back and forth and see how who runs out of people first, which was really weird when you think about it. Like, strategically, that does not seem like a good idea if you want to maximize your odds of winning. <laughs> right. Well, and that balance is fascinating. Finding the right balance between uh, autonomous action and the ability to innovate and sort of find creative solutions to problems and get the job done within a framework that was part of a larger plan because you have a role to play. Right. Right. And again, that's also part of the reason I joined the academy was the academy presents leadership opportunities that you can't get anywhere else. What you have to understand about the academy is that the faculty who are typically officers um, and the general sort of at the very top of the food chain, the superintendent and the commandant are really there in supporting roles. All of the squadron administration, all of the wing administration um, is handled by cadets. And you can't get that anywhere else. You know, the opportunity to run basic training is a leadership opportunity that you can't get anywhere else aside from West Point. But who would want to go to West Point it's or far, Annapolis? Far away. Yeah, who would want to do that? <laughs> no, are you kidding, right? Uh, I would say find me uh, a, a military institution that, that is not an honor to attend. I, I would agree. Right. I agree. Uh, and, and so, so I want to I tap into a little bit of this because I, there was something that you hit on earlier uh, about just walking in the door and going from here in Roseburg, Oregon, to now in Colorado and having just a uh, – basically the cream of the crop all showing up at the same place. I want to unpack a little bit about that, but they're going to make us take another obscene profit break first. So uh, so we'll do that first, and then we'll be right back. Stick around in studio with me. Derek Simmons. And Alex Simmons. And you got True Wealth on News Radio 1240 KQEN. Hey gang, welcome back to the True Wealth Radio Show. I'm your host, David Littlejohn, and we are talking today with 
Alex Simmons, who's first year at the Air Force Academy, and I believe it's okay to call you the proud papa, Derek. I'm a little bit proud, one might say. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, really excited to have you here. Now, Alex, you're just home for a few weeks uh, during the middle of the summer, which is, it's it's been you know great to catch up and, and hear all these, these stories. I really, uh, and again, if you're just joining us, you can get the rest of this on the podcast, all kinds of cool stuff. Uh, if you just want to learn a little bit more about the Air Force Academy, and if you're wondering why I'm talking about this on the True Wealth Show, it's literally because I can, right? It's I just think it's interesting, <laughs> and I wanted to share this stuff, uh, and uh, also with, with great power comes great flexibility. <laughs> indeed. Well, if we really want to try to spin this and flex it around, we could say, well, in a sense, Alex, you are now an investment by the taxpayer. Indeed. Right. I mean, you. This is something that uh, is a government funded educational opportunity for you uh, it's going to come with some military service so there's going to be a payback in a sense or an earn back because you've got a commitment associated with it but highly prestigious opportunity very very high barrier to entry uh, I don't know the statistics but but how many people apply do you, do you have an idea how many apply versus how many get in kind of thing I don't know how many apply particularly um, I don't know that number off the top of my head I know that about 10% get in yeah, it's so the, the the bar is very, very high. And Alex, I'm not going to ask you to brag about yourself or anything else. I'm going to do it for you because I've watched you grow up and I have seen the achievement cycle in your life. You've worked hard. You've had a lot of self-management, a lot of self-discipline. You earned the right to be there. And so to me, uh, that speaks volumes about who you are and your character. I think it, it, it doesn't make your dad look too bad either. So that's pretty cool. Woo-hoo. But, uh, you know, Everybody that that clears this bar and is invited in, it's, it's such a high bar. I'm really curious, what was your impression when you essentially are just surrounded by some of the the highest achievers in the country and they all come to this magnet and they're all ambitious and getting after it? What's it like to, to find yourself in that environment? Well, since day one, since the very first day of basic training, I have been continually surprised by the prowess of all the people around me, uh, academically, physically. I have never been in an environment where so many people will propose a solution to a problem that no one else had thought of, and that's so much better, and that people have been thinking about for years. Um, you know, every day. Can you give me an, Can you give me any kind of example of something simple uh, that's, that's fast? Sure. Uh, I our our sort of class class rep. Almost, um, Ade Adeboyejo is his name, um, and I'm sure I'm mispronouncing that. Yeah. So my apologies. So, none, none of us know him. Right. <laughs> Not right. yet. Not uh, yet. He's he's the class president for the class of 2024, okay. Roy. Um, and I remember specifically that he personally sent out a message over email one night when we when we were all that we you know that we all had free sort of vacation off base and said if anyone needs a ride. Let me know. I have a car and we'll be there because we have to borrow cars. And that's not necessarily a super innovative solution, but it just demonstrates that he cares. It shows that he cares. And it's not something I would have thought to do. Um, and that was just really surprising for me. Well, I'm um, glad you didn't steal a car. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, we have to ask to borrow him. But, I, you know, I just it's, it's little things like that, little leadership opportunities like that, that people continually take advantage of with ideas that I hadn't even thought of. And that's really, I'm honored to be among the people who are, you know, sort of capable of coming up with solutions like this. All right, you don't have to suck up about it. Come on, man. No, that's cool. Uh, so, you know, 
I'm going to share just briefly my experience when I went to school. Uh, I was randomly paired with a, a new roommate. I am friends with him to this day. We uh, got along so well that the, for the second year we elected to live together. Uh, and we we didn't after that, you know, I ended up in an apartment situation and some other and, and, and but we have stayed in touch to this day. And we so I still occasionally talk to him. Great friend of mine. But I remember walking in the door and thinking, oh, okay, I got to school. I've done okay in high school and whatever. And uh, he was like the class valedictorian and had almost perfect SAT scores and just he was gifted brains and it was really humbling to me. And then I discovered that he was just like everybody else. All of a sudden I was surrounded by just brilliant people and it sort of adjusted one, my expectations for myself and then it challenged me to elevate from there. So my framework was wow i really had to sharpen the sword and get better because there was another level and i was coasting have you felt like that at any point or have you felt overwhelmed you know what's what's it done in terms of how you have sort of been challenged to grow well one of those one of one of the stated goals of the air force academy um and i don't remember in which document this is but it's it's in one of the very important documents is to foment competition among the cadets the goal is to bounce us off each other so that we grow right and that's definitely something i've experienced seeing all these brilliant people around me pushes me to meet that bar to exceed that bar and we are almost always competing for almost everything and it's a friendly competition um and you can sort of track people's growth just watching them compete against each other against themselves um, and the experience I've had is that that really pushes me to do better. I feel like I am at the top of my game r right now because I've had the opportunity to interact with all these other people and, and, you know, put me that, you know, they sort of put me to my metal. Yeah. Well, that is cool. There's also, this is probably not well stated, uh, very often, but you think about just, there's a physical growth cycle depending on where people, uh, hit growth development and maturity. And so it's interesting. Some people are, they bloom a little earlier, some a little bit later. And it'll be, I think it'll be fun if we have you back in a few years to talk about what, what do you see different by the time you're four years in versus the first year? Because you, you walk in at 18, you come out at 22. There's a lot of stuff that's changing everywhere. <laughs> well, let, let me give you, let me give my two big highlights from this year. I feel like I've learned two really important lessons this year. One, it doesn't matter how smart, capable, motivated any group of people is, getting them to do something cohesively and efficiently is always going to take longer than you think it is. Like an HOA. <laughs> yes. Ain't that the truth? <laughs> um, and the other thing I've learned is that uh, hard work can, can get you just about anywhere. Um, you know, I, I, I have looked at people who are just so brilliant, and it's easy to say, oh, hey, well, that person's just good at math. But what you don't see is the hours of work they're putting in in their room to do well in that physics class or that engineering class. Um, and it's really it's really cool to see that sort of principle that we all hear preached at us all the time come to light and work. Yeah, that's it's a really astute observation. Uh, hard work makes a difference. Hard work properly applied, even better. Smart hard work may be better than all of them, right? Uh, 
you know, you can bang your head on a rock long enough and you may be able to split that rock. But there may also be more effective ways to split that rock. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm really... I'm, I'm always encouraged when I see that uh, our, our young folks are still, you know, there's still educational opportunities where, you know, you get to grow and that's that sort of stuff's happening. So, uh, you know what? I'm going to, I want to give us enough time for this. I, I want to ask a, a really interesting but slightly loaded question here. Uh, what if you could, can you, could you name like, give me an experience that happened this year that just sort of blew you away? Sure. Well, one of the big nope, you got to wait till after the break. Oh, That's what you get. Everybody's listening. I should have known. Yeah, you're going to have to just when you're ready. Everybody wants to hear the most ex- exciting and exotic experience. I make you wait until after the break. So stick around. We'll be right back. This is David Littlejohn, Derek Simmons, and Alex Simmons. And you got True Wealth on News Radio 1240 KQEN. Hey gang, welcome back to the home stretch of the True Wealth Radio Show. Uh, this is your host Dave Littlejohn. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, reminder podcast available at littlejohnfs.com. It's under the Educate tab. We got all kinds of information that you can get in there. Because normally this is a show about finance, but today this is a show about I guess we'll call it personal interest, uh, just because I knew the boss and I could get away with it. I, I don't know. Uh, anyway, Alex Simmons, thanks for joining us today. At the break, I, I, I shocked you into the cliffhanger. So we call that a teaser in radio, right? So right about the time all of our listeners saying, I want to know what the most ex- interesting experience you had was this last year. And then what do I do? I cut you off. But not this time. Tell me, what, <laughs> what was uh, so interesting? Like, What would you love to share? Well, one of the reasons I went to the Air Force Academy was the legendary jump program. You get to jump out of airplanes over the summer. Perfectly, On purpose. Perfectly good airplane. Yes. Perfectly good airplanes with a perfectly good parachute, hopefully. Um, and that was something you don't get to do anywhere else. So they train you up for three days or so. You know, you have some early mornings, some late nights. Um, they, you know, drill all these emergency procedures into your head. And then on the fourth day, bright and early at 4 a.m. Thursday morning, they take you out to the airfield and they start sending people up by 5.30. So for those of you who aren't aware, who I, you know, presume is most of you, um, I'm a, I'm a pretty heavy guy. Um, I'm, I'm just, I'm pretty tall. Um, and so I am always the first out of the airplane when we jump because they want to get out rid of the most weight. So is that really, that's how they do that? Well, I don't actually know if that's the reason, but yes, for Fair four enough. out of my five jumps, I was first out of the plane. Alphabetically. I, I figure you would also drop faster if you weigh more. So they're like, well, they don't need you dropping on the guy <laughs> below you. So let's throw you out first. That could be it. I don't know for sure. I don't know. Anyway, go on, go on. Um, so I was on the very first load of the day, the very first load of the program, the very first person out of the plane. Oh, so you're like literally the uh, the prima donna. Here. I am the guinea pig. <laughs> the if, I sp- <laughs> if I splat, they know not to send anyone else out after me. It's like, that didn't work. Don't do that twice. So I get on the plane. They load us up. They check our gear over, you know, the whole, the whole shebang. And then we start going. And the plane starts taking off. And, you know, they sort of these, these propeller planes. What were you in? Uh, is a twin otter... Okay. UV-18, something like that. Got it. Um, they speak some aircraft. <laughs> yeah, not today. Go on. But Our listeners don't care about it's, that. It's a jump plane. It's a yep. jump plane. Um, and they go up, and of course, the people who are flying these Twin Otters are experts, uh, expert pilots, 
who were fighter pilots. So they're pulling as many G's as they possibly can just for the fun of it. Um, everybody else is sitting in the back of the plane about ready to throw up. green you're going to be. Right, yes. right. That's the whole plan. Um, our, the people who are teaching us jump, cadets actually, used to tell us that the best moment of the program is getting to see our terrified faces the first time we get ready to jump. Um, so well, There's nothing natural, natural about jumping out of an airplane. Nope, there absolutely is not. So, uh, so I'm sitting there, and we hit 4,500 feet, and that's where we jump from, uh, which ends up being like 11,000 feet above sea level where we are in Colorado, yeah. but it's 4,500 above the ground. AGL, right, we say. Right. Yep. Um, and the plane slows down, and you can feel it. Mm-hmm. And you know, all right, I'm about to go out. And I know, all right, I'm about to go out. So the jump master comes up to me, you know, sort of lean forward, lean back, turn this way, turn that way, checks my gear one last time. And then they give me the fateful words, stand in the door. And they point, right? So when you jump out of the Twin Otter, um, you're not, it's not, I don't know if you've probably seen the videos of the Wings of Blue jumping out of the back of, like, C-17s. Right, where they just sort of launch out this back door. And right, they, can, they like, drop. It's or like whatever. a tailgate almost. Right, and you just kind of run out the back. Right, you're jumping exactly. out the side. Yeah, we're jumping out the side. So they tell you stand in the door, and you, you know you have a, you can we have feel a, the prop right, blast. Right, and it's really ripping. It's loud. Right, and, we have a memorized you know sort of way to get hooked up in the door. Um, so you know you grab the bar, you line up your feet, you put your hand on the outside, and you lean way, way out. Right, and you're leaning out of the plane, this and the is exactly wind. exactly the sort of thing that would get you in trouble as a child. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the wind is blasting you, and you're doing your best not to look down, because at some point you get up so high that it it doesn't really scare you because you don't have a sense of the distance, but your body knows like, you're not, not okay. supposed to go down not really okay. fast. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so you're hanging out of the door. And you, you give your check-in, and you sort of look, and you're leaving a window so that the jump master can sort of point out to let you know when to go. Um, and they're doing jump mastery things and all that. Um, and the jump master gives me the go signal. So you're supposed to arch out of the plane. You arch your back, and you look straight up at the sky, right? And that way, you sort of what's called ride, you know, crest the hill um, so that you the fall. The prop wash so that you don't right, get knocked right, around like a leaf. Right, exactly. <laughs> and then you fall belly down. And you count out your 10 seconds, and you fall about 1,500 feet, um, and you pull your chute. And that, you know, that's the ideal process. None of that happened for me. So I do not arch out of the plane. Despite my best efforts and the knowledge of the fact that I was supposed to, I sat backwards out of the plane. Now, for those of you who can't imagine that, what that meant was I left the plane and immediately started seeing ground, plane, ground, so plane. flipping. Absolutely just tumbling in the air. Um, but they teach you arch it out, arch it out. You mm-hmm. just really flex, and eventually you will right yourself. Mm-hmm. So I arch it out, and I fix myself, and I'm falling belly down, and I think, oh, my God, I've lost count. I have no idea what altitude I'm at. Now, that's not as bad as it may seem, first of all, because— As long they, as there's more. <laughs> right, right. They teach you the emergency procedure if you forget your count just to pull immediately. So I lost my count. I pull immediately. Um, and I'm sitting there and I'm looking around, I'm checking my canopy, I'm, you know, I'm checking for other jumpers, all that good stuff. Um, and then I, the last step is to look for the drop zone, which is demarcated by enormous patches of orange grass at the corners. And it's like three football fields worth of landing ground. I can't see it. I don't know where it is. I can look 360 and not see the drop zone anywhere, which is understandably not where you want to be. It sounds wrong. Yes, it does. It does. Um, so I get, they get on the radio and they go, Hey Simmons, can you give me a 45 degrees to the right? I give them a 45 degrees and there I can see the drop zone. My, I mean, actually miles away. Mm-hmm. So, it's so far away. Um, now are you in a shaped 
canopy, like a shaped shoot? Right, right. Okay. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's not just the circle. I, I can right, So you movement. can control it. So. Right. Um, so I think, all right, guess I better start heading that way. I start heading that way. Unfortunately, there is a wind coming out of the east, which is the direction I'm trying to go. Okay, so headwind. Right. Can't make any progress forward. Hardly at all. Um, and and I later turned out that I was actually the only person who jumped out of that plane because the wind kicked up so hard that they had to ground they, everybody. They aborted the jump. Right. They but didn't jump anyone there. else. But I was already out. The first jumper was gone. Um, oh, buddy. So I'm blowing away from where I'm trying to go. And I hit 1,000 feet. And that's when I'm supposed to start my landing pattern so I can land into the wind. Um, unfortunately, that does not look like it's going to happen this time. So I am just headed straight towards the drop zone trying to get there. And I hit 750 feet, and I hit 500 feet, and I hit 250 feet. And I'm starting to approach the highway, which is not where I would prefer to land. Um, so I hit 250 feet, I hit 100 feet, and there are cars whizzing by beneath my feet. And then I land smack dab in the middle of the road. I, like, land on the hood of a car and roll in front of it. Wow. So, uh... That's not typical. No, it isn't. Uh, far outside the drop zone, that was the first time any of them had ever seen someone land in the road, apparently. Hey, so you got a record now. I do. I do indeed. <laughs> and my legend has spread far and wide. Oh, man. Well, this this will uh, this will definitely go on to live in uh, either valor or infamy, perhaps both. Hopefully. <laughs> Good stuff. Well, look, that's the music. We're out of time for the show, but what a great story to end on, Alex. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you. All right, and Derek, lots of reasons to be proud. Thanks for uh, le- thanks for letting us borrow your son today. My pleasure. All right, guys. Well, look, uh, if you have money questions, I suppose you could give us a call at 541-375-0898. If you have legal questions, 541-677-7185 is Simmons Law. All right, we're out of time. We'll see you next time. The preceding program was paid for by Little John Financial Services. The opinions and views expressed may not reflect those of Brook Communications, its affiliates, or its employees.